Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. Rumpelstiltskin. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. In a certain kingdom once lived a poor miller who had a very beautiful daughter. She was moreover exceedingly shrewd and clever, and the miller was so vain and proud of her that he one day told the king of the land that his daughter could spin gold out of straw. Now this king was very fond of money. <laughs> and, when he, and when he heard the miller's boast, his avarice was excited. Avarice? His avarice, greed. Okay. And he ordered the girl to be brought before him. Then he led her to a chamber where there was a great quantity of straw gave her a spinning wheel and said, All this must be spun into gold before morning as you value your life. It was in vain that the poor maiden declared she could do no such thing. The chamber was locked and she remained alone. Hush. Yeah, it's not looking good. It's not no. a good start for our no. maiden. And she sat down in one corner of the room and began to lament over her hard fate. When on a sudden the door opened and a droll looking little man hobbled in and said, Good morrow to you, my good lass. What are you weeping for? Alas, she answered, I must spin this straw into gold, and I know not how. What will you give me, said the little man, to do it for you? Ah, I see. My necklace, replied the maiden. He took her at her word and sat himself down to the wheel. Round about it went merrily, and presently the work was done and the gold all spun. It's all done, job done. Nice, nailed it. For exchange of her life, essentially, she just had to give away a necklace. Fair exchange, I think. I think that's pretty good going. Yeah, and considering nice she's the daughter of a poor miller, it's, it's not precious jewels. It's like a oh, daisy yeah. chain or something. Absolutely, yeah. Now, when the king came and saw this, he was greatly astonished and pleased, but his heart grew still more greedy of gain, and he shut up the poor miller's daughter again with a fresh task. And then she knew not what to do and sat down once more to weep, so she's just crying. Again. Yeah. But the little man presently opened the door, so it's not locked, presumably. Yeah, why, how was he able to get just open, just open the door? Nice. What will you give me to do your task? Um, the ring on my finger, replied she. So her little friend took the ring and began to work at the wheel, till by the morning all was finished again. So he's done it again. Hmm. He's pulled it out of the bag. Nice. The king was vastly delighted to see all this glittering treasure. But still he was not satisfied. This king. And took the miller's daughter into yet a larger room. Why? (laughs) Well, yeah. What's wrong with the room she had before? It's stuffed with straw, the room. Okay. I guess, yeah. Just put her outside. (laughs) Just (laughs) take the wheel outside. world with gold. So he took the daughter into a yet larger room and said, All this must be spun tonight, and if you succeed, you shall be my queen. Oh, lucky you. Lucky girl. (laughs) Oh, have I got a treat for you. (laughs) As soon as she was alone, the dwarf came in. He's a dwarf now. Okay, he's not a droll little man. (laughs) She got tired of his drollness. And he said, what will you give me to spin gold for you this third time? I have nothing left, said she. Then promise me, said the little man, your first little child when you are queen. Oh, that may never be, thought the miller's daughter, and as she knew no other way to get her task done, she promised what he had asked, and he span once more the whole heap of gold. Now the king came in the morning, and finding all he wanted, 
married her. And so the miller's daughter really did become queen. Okay. So she thought, I, I may never even have a child. Yeah. What? what yeah. What's it's, taking a, it's taking a risk. At the birth of her first little child, the queen rejoiced very much and forgot the little man and her promise to him. But one day he came into her chamber and reminded her of it. And she started to grieve sorely at her misfortune. She'd totally forgotten about this, yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, as she would. She started to offer him all the treasure of the kingdom in exchange. Of course. He was saying, no, no, no. But she was crying so hard and she was so upset that at last her tears softened him. And he said, I will give you three days grace. And if during that time you tell me my name, you shall keep your child. Very generous. Mm. Nice guy. Now the queen lay awake all night, thinking of all the odd names she had ever heard and dispatched messengers all over the land to inquire after new ones. New names. New names. <laughs> I mean, Got any new names? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, the Queen sent me. Uh, any names? Uh, any names I can take back. Also, it's a bit rude that she's thinking of all the odd names. Why would he have an odd name? <laughs> Why is he not just Fred or like... Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nigel. Now, <laughs> uh, the next day, so day one, the little man came and she began with... Timothy? No. Hmm? Benjamin? No. Good guess. Jeremiah? <laughs> no. And uh, she kept going through all the names she could remember. But to all of them, he said, That's not my name. Ting Tings. <laughs> Ahead of his time. <laughs> the second day, she began with all the... We're not. <laughs> That's ten years old. <laughs> now, the second day, she began with all the comical names she could hear of. <laughs> oh, I love a good comical name. Bandy Legs. Bandy Legs! <laughs> You don't get many of them about these days. Hunchback. Oh, it's pretty cheeky. funny. Yeah. Crookshanks. Crookshanks! And so on. Oh, okay. But the little gentleman still said to every one of them, That's not my name. <laughs> I guess bandy legs and crookshanks means the same thing. Crooked legs. Oh, yeah. Crooked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Is crookshank a surname? I feel like I've heard that. Crookshank. Yeah, we'll look it up after. Okay. Now, the third day came back one of the messengers that she'd sent Ooh. out. And he said... I can hear of no one other name, your highness. But yesterday, as I was climbing a high hill among the trees of the forest, where the fox and the hare bid each other good night, What? I saw a little hut, and before the hut burnt a fire, and round about the fire danced a funny little man upon one leg, and sung, Merrily the feast I'll make, today I'll brew, tomorrow bake. Merrily I'll dance and sing, for next day will a stranger bring. Little does my lady dream, Rumpelstiltskin is my name. Oh, he's let the cat right out of the bag. And when the queen heard this, she jumped for joy. And as soon as her little visitor came and said, Now, lady, what is my name? Is it John? Oh, she's playing with him. No. Is it Tom? No. (laughs) He's getting very, very confident now. He's getting close to what he wants. Can your name be Rumpelstiltskin? (gasps) Some witch told you that! Some witch told you that! Cried the little man. Oh, he's not happy. And he dashed his right foot in a rage so deep into the floor that he was forced to lay hold of it with both hands to pull it out. Then he made the best of his way off while everybody laughed at him for having had all his trouble for nothing. The end.
amazing. That's Rumpelstiltskin. Love it. Now, you may know the story to have a different ending, or possibly our listeners have, are more familiar with a different ending. There is a different, sl- slightly different ending in my mind, I think. He, like his foot goes through the floor, and then he just, I don't know, he goes through the floor somehow. Yeah, it has a, a more violent ending normally. Okay. Shall I, t- shall I read to you the more common ending? Yeah, yeah. So, the devil told you that, the devil told you that, cried the little man. And in his anger, he plunged his right foot so deep into the earth that his whole leg went in. And then in a rage, he pulled at his left leg so hard with both hands that he tore himself in two. Right, he pulled his own leg off kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or he ripped himself in two. In two, like down the middle. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is unfortunate. So, he basically, he dies. I was thinking it was a bit more macabre. So we, I read to you basically an earlier version of the story. Mm-hmm. The Brothers Grimm published eight different versions of their Grimm's fairy tales, mm-hmm. Kinder yep. and Hausmarch in, in German. Um, I just read to you one of the earliest ones, I think from the second edition. Yeah. Where, yeah, he just, he's a bit red-faced and walks off embarrassed. <laughs> Whereas yeah. as they progressed through their eight versions over around 40 years, I think it was, mm-hmm. they made it more violent. Yes, yeah. And uh, in the end, he ends up ripping himself in two. It's <laughs> not a good day. Not a good day. They, weirdly, they were aiming the stories more at children. As they progressed, they were more yeah. aimed at children. So do you remember we once Whilst said... Whilst being more violent. Exactly. They, in a kind of very American way, they, right. there was less sex and more violence. Right. Because kids love a bit of violence. I love it. And this is, yeah, this is a very famous example of the Grimm's cranking that violence up for the kiddies. Yeah, for <laughs> the kiddies, Yeah. <laughs> So, out of all the ones we've done so far on this podcast, this is the first one I actually knew beforehand. So, yeah, it's a big one. And I enjoy it. It's a good story. It's a biggie. It's a goodie. It is, it is a good one. I like it. There are some elements of confusion for me. For starters, if this droll little man, <laughs> Rampelstiltskin, has the ability to spin straw into gold, how can he bought, be bought with a necklace or a ring. Presumably he can make that from stuff he's got lying around. He doesn't need a ring or a necklace. That's a very good point. I think you're really drilling down into the plot holes there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are, yeah. Which you've got to do. You've got to make these stories watertight. Well, then I think you're going to struggle with the Brothers <laughs> Grimm fairy tales. They're not so hot on that. <laughs> I think the point is more about the predicament. In a way, he could have just started with, I want your child. You know, he didn't, right, yeah. but we went through, there's this... It's always, fa- things are three, isn't it? In fairy tales, there's the rule of three. Yeah. Um, three and seven we, pop and up a lot. And it does just seem to work, three. In jokes as well, in comedy, yeah. there's the rule of three. Like, if you're listing out things, two isn't funny, but three is, kind of thing. And uh, in photography, you have the rule of thirds. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, that frames it better, more satisfying. Yeah. So I think that's just a device in order to make it three. Yeah. As in, he could have just come in and said, give me a child. But right, yeah. we get to the third time. And also, she has three days grace. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, do, uh, yeah I, can't, I can't help you there with the, why did he want that? <laughs> why did he, a necklace and a ring. Also, and, and you find this a lot. I think we found it to a certain extent with the girl without hands. You know, the, the devil wants the, is it, an, is it another miller? Are they all millers? <laughs> it was a miller. Yes. He was like, I'll take what's behind the mill house. He wants his daughter. And mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin wants this woman's firstborn. Yeah. Why do they want these children? <laughs> it's <laughs> some nefarious... I don't like it. 
Mm. What's going on there? Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? It's weird. Any, any suggestion? You can think, who are these stories aimed at? Mm. What are their greatest fears? Losing their children? Yeah, yeah, which is understandable. It's interesting. So we had Rumpelstiltskin. He's a little man lion. Little, uh, little man, basically. Oh, right, yeah. Which we've had in The Three Little Men in the Woods. Yes. The, so these are little men with very strong powers. Supernatural <laughs> very powers. Strong, yeah. But they're not 100% evil. They're dangerous, but they're not completely evil. Right, yeah. In The Three Little Men in the Woods, they reward the good behavior and quite severely punish the bad behavior. Yeah, they're like moral arbiters, sort of. And this story, he might he's not so much a moral arbiter, but he he's not entirely bad like he he when she is weeping over her fate he comes to her aid well he, yeah he Albeit says all right and- i'll give you a little uh, little few days uh, you know he's not just pure right, evil yeah yeah so they're an interesting character we've yeah. discovered a new creature <laughs> i'm not sure if the man line pop up again little men um i'm sure they will i'm, I'm sure, sure we'll see we'll we won't <laughs> seen the end of those guys little bandy legs <laughs> bandy legs crookshank <laughs> Now, another thing you said, which I'm trying to think of the exact terminology, one of the messengers got sent out, and he went to the hill where the fox and the hare bid goodnight, or something along those lines. What was the, what was the uh, exact line? As I was climbing a high hill among the trees of the forest, where the fox and the hare bid each other goodnight. See you later. See you in the morning. <laughs> Sleep tight. <laughs> what, is, what is going on there? Don't let the bedbugs bite. <laughs> um... Where do foxes and hares go to sleep? I suppose foxes in burrows, hares in ah, burrows? <laughs> yeah, un- among the trees of the forest where the fox and the hare beat each other. So maybe it means the d- deepest, darkest place. Maybe because you don't know, you don't see hares and foxes. No one knows where they sleep. Right, so it's okay. like a mysterious, dark place. Okay. I'm literally just thinking this off the top of my I head mean, now. I have there, no idea. There's no, nothing to read into the fact that foxes eat hares. Ah, maybe. Any other questions? Uh, the miller gets off scot-free, and this all started because of him, bragging about his uh, his daughter, saying she can do stuff that she couldn't do. What's that all about? His wife's just like, oh, so he's off again. Hey, so he's <laughs> down the pub. <laughs> no, my daughter can She can uh, spin straw to gold. Hey. Yeah, and the king happened to be in the pub this time. <laughs> so he was. He's like, hello. So I suppose the, the moral messages you can think are you know don't make promises you can't keep (laughs) don't brag don't lie however the person who crosses those lines is the father and he disappears he's not involved in the story so really if it was about uh, don't brag don't lie he'd be the one being punished yeah but he's really not that important it's all about this girl yeah so in a way although those are the kind of most perhaps obvious interpretations of the story I feel there's more going on there because it's really got nothing to do with him that's like setting up the rest of the story yeah true in story terms but if you think in real life terms it's not fair he gets like no ramifications or that's true yeah none of it would have happened if he'd not been flapping his trap flapping his trap yes oh yeah (laughs) running off at the mouth so I mean what other morals can spring to your mind because we've had a lot of fables with animals with very clear moral messages that's true that's true this is perhaps a little less clear cut I mean yeah maybe not so much a fable but like obviously greed is bad greed is bad I mean we can all agree with that if you are in some sort of challenge where someone's got to guess your name don't dance around a fire shouting at your name that is a really important lesson. I mean, lesson it's quite an away. important lesson, which I'm going to take with me through life. 
Also, his little rhyme, his little rhyme he sees chanting as he dances around yeah. the fire. He's brewing today, tomorrow he's going to bake. He's yeah. got his week planned out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have beer to have with my bread tomorrow. What's what's it? What are his plans? Well, at the end of this, we'll okay. look more at the the different rhymes because there are lots of different variations com- of that completely rhyme. Completely different. Yeah, they are. They're great. Though. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But for now, um, merrily the feast I'll make today. I'll brew tomorrow. Bake. So he's going to make a, a banging feast. Oh yeah, today, beer and bread. And it's, a t- it's taking him two days to prepare this feast. So today's brewing. Tomorrow he'll bake. Maybe he's going to eat the kid. Ooh. Oh Wash my. down with some beer. Let's deal with that at the end, maybe. Okay. The other thing I thought is maybe... Uh, he's a, It could be a bit of a loan shark. Ooh, interesting. You know, as in... She Becoming says, indebted to a stranger. Yeah, she says, well, I might not even have a kid, so what's the what's the worry? Right. That's ah. a problem for future me. <laughs> don't go... Yeah, don't get in debt to a loan shark. Yeah. Don't get in debt above <laughs> your head. Don't get in debt above your head. Keep Kids. it below the head. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. Now, there's so there are there are some interpretations of this as man's fear of woman's power as well. Oh, okay. So it seems that the the, the men in the story have the power, but in the end, by gaining knowledge and wisdom, mm-hmm. that's the other message here. By gaining knowledge, you gain power. In this case, right. it's a woman gaining power over a man. He can't control her anymore. And taking that even further, there's a kind of potential carnal sexual edge to this there's an interpretation I came across Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> could be a sort of phallic symbol why is he phallic? he visits uh, her every night to make gold uh, <laughs> and tellingly he asks for her firstborn that's what he wants from return right and only in kind of gaining carnal knowledge in learning his name does she have power does she kind of have sexual power over a man in a way. Are I, you buying that theory? I'm not buying it one iota, I've got to be honest. <laughs> what? Because what? he's a little man, he's phallic? I know I can see it, because the idea is with these fairy tales is that they're, you know, some people consider them cryptic messages of wisdom of society over millennia, potentially. Mm-hmm. This compacted wisdom. Yeah. And uh, it could be that this story, one of the elements of this story in a kind of coded way is about coming of age and growing up and you can kind of see it as a woman gaining knowledge over a man who visits her at night, asking for her firstborn. There's, you know, maybe there's something think, in there. Yeah, the symbolism would have to be quite loose in that respect. I think a lot of psychologists like to really pick apart the, the Grimm's fairy tales because yeah. they're considered kind of almost considered a voice of people, mm-hmm. voice of society. So people really like to dig in and, and, and pick stuff out. But you can, of course, sort of see what you want, maybe. I, I still don't buy that. <laughs> All right, I had a theory. What do you think okay. about this? Okay. So for me, I'm going to get really woolly here. Woolly and wishy-washy. Okay, love it. Have you ever heard of Ursula Le Guin? No. She's a sci-fi and fantasy writer. Okay. She, I think she died uh, late last year. She wrote a series of books called Earthsea about these wizards, kind of like a Lord of the Rings type thing. Okay. And uh, in, the, in these stories, the wizard's power comes from knowing the true name of, names of things. Right. So language is like a deviation of the, the real name of something. So a wizard, to use a spell to control uh, water see. or the wind, has to know the, the real wind's name. To know something's name, 
you have control, you have power. Mm-hmm. Even reminds me of Harry Potter. You know, they say he who must not be named for Lord Voldemort. Right. A name is very powerful. Mm. Is a powerful thing. So I was thinking part of the process of control and human advancement and science and domination over nature is in naming things, categorizing things, bringing them into a semblance of order. Mm-hmm. So in by naming something, it becomes less scary, becomes more manageable. Sure. N- knowledge is power, and in in these fantasy worlds like Ursula Le Guin and Harry Potter it's quite literally power in this case controlling something means controlling the means of creating wealth that process itself isn't controlling her she has now gained power over that process Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah in a Viking saga in one of the Viking sagas there's the story of King Olaf and the giant and King Olaf gains control over the giant by naming it Uh, there's a story from India called Tapai and the Brahman and a Brahmin gains control over a demon by discovering his ancestors' names. There's a lots of folk stories with werewolves where by finding the, the werewolf's human name mm-hmm. and saying it out loud, they turn him back into the person. Right. So in a way, there's this sort of, either it's, it's in a bad way, you can see this as power and control, or in a good way, you can see this as knowledge sheds light on evil and the unknown. Right. So these are kind of overbaked thoughts I've been having. I buy this theory more than the phallic <laughs> one. A lot more, actually. There's going to be some psychologists who are very disappointed. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, mates. You shouldn't be so obsessed. seem to remember some sort of rhyme, sort of half-remember the rhyme. What was it? Well, for Rampelstiltskin is my name. That just sticks in my head. I think one of the reasons they say that in fairy tales there's lots of these rhyming couplets is because traditionally these are oral mm. tales. They were told around the fire or, you know, by house workers or nannies or whatever. Yeah. So a rhyming couplet's easy to remember. It's like an earworm, yeah. Yeah, so they're quite common in these stories. But the name, shall I tell you a bit about the name Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah, sure, because you don't, I like, <laughs> don't get it Rump, these days. Rumpelstiltskin's <laughs> being born, no. It translates from German, Rumpelstiltskin translates to little rattlestilt. Little rattlestilt? A little rattlestilt is a, a little goblin who makes noises from rattling posts. It was written down in a book called Gargantua in 1577, which was written by a German satirist and humorist called Johann Fischart. It was a game, and children would take turns to assume the role of the goblin uh, and make noises by rattling pots and rapping on planks. I mean, they didn't have PlayStations back then, so... Rapping on planks? (laughs) Rapping on planks! (laughs) (laughs) So that's where the name comes from. Um, Now, in the Louse and the Flea episode, we discussed the Arne Thompson-type index, right? It's the naming classification system or not the name but like the classification system yeah of like narrative quirks or like common uh, themes yeah and there were some quite humorously uh, ultra specific ones indeed <laughs> uh, well this one's not quite not very humorous okay it's type 500 the name of the helper so finding the name of the helper oh At the very first iteration of this story that was written down was by uh, the Neapolitan Giambattista Basile in 1634. So he wrote this uh, Italian or Neapolitan collection of you know, oh, a few hundred years before um, in his book Pentamarone. And the story is called 
le sette cotonelle, which translates to the seven bits of bacon rhymes. <laughs> Lovely. The, now that uh, that story is a little bit different from Rumpelstiltskin. That's more like type five hundred and one. This is getting very nerdy okay. now. Which is more like a Brothers Grimm story called the Three Spinners. So it, right. it doesn't have the whole Rumpelstiltskin character. Okay. But it, it's the earliest iteration of that. There are later Italian versions of this story called Tremotino and Tarandando. Uh, in England, we have our own version, collected mm -hmm. by Joseph Jacobs in uh, his 1890 collection of English folk Australian tales. Australian fella. Australian fella, collection of English folk tales. Do you know what it's called? Do you have any inkling? Uh, the, of what the our English sort of version of this story is called? Yeah, the English from Paul Stiltskin. Um, Tom Tit Tot. Tom Tit Tot? Tom Tit Tot. Why do all our stories have tit in them? I don't know. There's too much tit in these stories. <laughs> so we've had Titty Mouse and now Tom Tit Tot. Tom Tit Tot? It's, is Tom Tit Tot the name of the man? The little, the little man? Nimmy Nimmy Not. My name's Tom Tit Tot. Wow. Well, That's how the rhyme goes. Nimmy Nimmy Not. My name's Tom Tit Tot. Nimmy Nimmy Not. My name's Tom Tit Tot. 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 This story comes from Suffolk. Joseph Jacobs got it from a, an old Suffolk lady. Oh. And he specifically, in his notes, he says that naming something gives gives power over a man, which is why savages don't give their names. <laughs> <laughs> now, from from Scotland, there's a story called Whoopity Story. This was collected by Robert Chambers in his Popular Rhymes of Scotland in 1826. What happens in Whoopity Story? I think I read Whoopity Story. Cracking name. I don't remember. There's a story from Wales called Guarin Athrot. And in this Very one, um, it's a, an elf is a, it's called an elf. And the elf is a helper in the house. And there's a girl uh, who wants to see the elf, but the elf only does everything at night. And she always leaves a bowl of milk out for the elf. She gets annoyed because uh, she can't <laughs> see him. And she leaves a bowl of urine out for him. Oh. He goes mental and beats her up. <laughs> what? And then he leaves the house. This is the Welsh one? This is a, a Welsh one. There's another one from Wales called Penelope. There's one from Orkney, the Orkney Islands, called Piri Fool. Uh, the rival Kempers in Ireland. Gilitrut in Iceland. I'm assuming these are all the names of the of Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Joadan, Dane, He Who Talks Too Much, which is an Arabic version of the story. Okay. We've got Junker, which is the Russian version. Miridun in France. You've got Kinak Martinko, which is a Slavic folktale. Slavic folklore is a huge sure. area of folklore. Yeah. And then from Cornwall, we've got Duffy and the Devil. Oh, hey, it's Duffy and the Devil! It's Duffy and the Devil! And the Devil, so the Devil's the, the bad guy in this one. And, no, And no. his name is... <laughs> you'll never get it. The Devil's called Terry Top. Terry Top! Duffy, my lady, you'll never know what? That my name is Terry Top, Terry Top, Top! <laughs> Beautiful. Out of all those, I am dying to hear, at some point, the Welsh one, because... Leaving a bowl of urine out and then getting beaten up. That's amazing. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I've got it here. Guarin Athrot. Oh, God. The, uh, so this in this story, the elf, is he's a, he's a cheeky little blighter. His song Ooh. goes, The idea that the thick buttocked lass should give me barley bread and piss to the boggy. What is going on with that story? Why are the British ones so foul? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, so those those are other those are other stories like the Rumpelstiltskin story from across uh, across the world. Fantastic.
So, as we were saying, the use of rhyme is quite common in fairy tales. Sure. And uh, there's lots of different rumpuddy rhymes, I found. Ooh. Would you like to hear some? I would love to hear them. So the one we had is from the Edgar Taylor translation, the first okay. ever English translation of The yep. Brothers Grimm. He was translating, I think it was in 1823, his, his translation, but he was <laughs> translating the second edition of The Brothers right. Grimm stories from yep. 1815, I think. Yeah. It's very nerdy I'm not. There. I'm not going to pick you up on the date. Cheers. Uh, so here's one. Merrily the feast I'll make. Today I'll brew, tomorrow bake. So yeah, he's really planning ahead for this feast. Yeah, it's got his meal plan. Merrily I'll dance and sing. For next day will a stranger bring. So he's really excited. Because a stranger's bringing the next day. Yeah. Little does my lady dream. Rumpelstiltskin is my name. So he's called her a stranger. I don't think I think they they know each yeah, other by now. Come on, mate. So that's one. Next one up, we've got the Margaret Hunt translation. Now she's translating the last, I think the eighth Brothers Grimm edition right. of 1857. So presumably the most violent one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Today I'll bake, tomorrow brew. The next I'll have the young queen's child. Ha! Glad am I that no one knew that Rumpelstiltskin I am styled. <laughs> what? Sty- oh, styled. Styled. Like, <laughs> how are you styled, I man? I've got mad Rumpelstiltskin styles. <laughs> so, so he's switched up the order. He's so baking today, brewing tomorrow. You're right, yeah. <laughs> he's got it the wrong way around. I'd, bo- I'd brew early. Yeah, exa- exactly. You're going to bake and then have fresh bread and not have anything to drink yeah. with it. They, they messed up the formula, these Margaret, brothers. Oh, was it? Was it? Well, was I don't. That's the thing, because all these, well, all these pretty much rhyme in English. Yes, you've got. There's got to be sort of artistic license, because if you literally translate it, it's not going to rhyme anymore. Yeah, I think so, but I don't know how much license they've yeah. taken. Well, I guess they've taken a lot because they're all quite different, unless the Brothers Grimm changed them a lot. Yeah. So from 1977, Ralph Mannheim version. Are you ready for this? I'm one? ready. Brew today, tomorrow bake. After that, the child I'll take. And sad the queen will be to lose it. Rumpelstiltskin is my name, but luckily no one knows it. <laughs> it's a bit clunky, that one. Yeah, yeah, that's got an extra line that shouldn't be there. Luckily no one knows it. And then we've got Jack Zipes, uh, I think 2014 translation okay. of the first ever Brothers oh, Grimm. Oh, so this predates the one we've had. Yeah, earlier. this is okay, the Brothers Grimm's first edition from 1812, only very recently translated, most... Brothers Grimm translations are from their later editions where they had changed the stories a lot. This one rhymes, so I don't know how close it is to the the actual original one. Okay. Today I'll brew, tomorrow bake. Soon I'll have the Queen's namesake. Oh, how hard it is to play my game. For Rumpelstiltskin is my name. Oh, how hard it is to play my game. (laughs) But why is he complaining about it? It's his choice. (laughs) He could just not play the game. Or just not say his name. I know, what an idiot. Yeah, how hard is it to play my game? For no one knows my name. <laughs> and that's part of the game, not knowing my name. That's how I win the game. That is the game. <laughs> or actually, if that is uh, in German, Rumpelstiltskin is Little Rattle Ghost, then surely the princess or the, the maiden, she would have seen him and gone, you're a goblin, you're a Little Rattle Ghost. So right, your name yeah, is it's, little a, it's a, like a completely logical name. What's my name? Is it... Kitten, because you're a kitten. Yeah. Damn yeah, it. Yeah. Is it little rattly stilt? Because you are a little rattly stilt. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it is. Oh, <laughs> oh darn you. Right. What, what would you? What would you rate? Rating time. 
Uh, this is the part of the show where we arbitrarily rate the stories in terms of just, I guess, enjoyment. It's in the moment how I'm feeling with that particular story. And how are you feeling in this moment with that particular story? I like that story. I mean, interestingly, obviously it is a massively famous one. There must be a reason why it's massively famous. Is it just because it's a good story? Why is that so much more famous than Mouse, the Bird and the Sausage? There must be a reason, and it's probably because it's quite a good story. What, what do you think makes it a, such a good story? As in, why is it a good story? The tension, the... The tension. The, the central conceit. The character of the, the Rumpelstiltskin, the good... He's very lame. Conquering the bad, stomping through the floor is quite cool. <laughs> Do you prefer him ripping himself in two or just It's quite good, off? but I, I quite like the end being walking off with people laughing at him oh. as being his punishment. <laughs> I mean, that is great. That is a harsh punishment. No one wants to be mocked as they're walking away. I'm going to give that out of ten. Seven. What about you? I was, thinking, I was thinking much higher. Really? Okay, 7.5. No, you don't I, have no, to No, I was tempted to give it 7.5. Really? I'm okay. going to do it 7.5. I, th- I think it's a great little story. And I think, despite you know your reservations about some of those uh, interpretations we had, <laughs> I think one of the reasons it's so powerful is because there's so much in it mm. that you can kind of take away. And also it's just that idea of like that ultimate mystery. How do you find someone's name? I mean, it is a bit rubbish the way she finds it. Through his incompetence and the luck of the messenger being in the right place. There's, there's a forest and there's glistening gold and it's got that classic fairy tale oh, vibe yeah, sure. going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it is, it's a really good one. I think I will give it 8.5. Oh, that is a high one. 8.5. That is really high, isn't it? So you definitely preferred The Three Little Men in the Wood, which I think we could compare. I mean, that was an epic story. There were more twists and turns in that story. There's a central conceit to this one, which it basically follows the template. She's in a situation. In a bind. He gets her out of it, but she owes him. He tries to cash in. She stops him. Boom. You can't sum up Three Little Men in the Woods like that. There's too much going on. That's true. That's that an epic <laughs> journey, that yeah. story. Episode six, now available. <laughs> is it episode six? I don't know. I don't know. So now we've got to pick the next three stories. The next three. So, as always, I don't know what stories Adam selected. Mm-hmm. I've looked down the list and picked three titles that jumped out to me, not necessarily knowing anything about what the story entails. The point of the podcast is we don't really... No, we don't... Neither of us have yeah. read the stories. We're reading them as we go and learning as we go. Exactly. Now, I have made myself a little list of ten stories that I'm the most excited about. Mm-hmm. So I just want to see if you... Because often I'm quite surprised by the ones you choose, not in a bad way or a good way, just... Just interesting like, to see oh, what that's an interesting one. stands might, out to me. Yeah, and I might not have even spotted them either. So I've got ten here, so let's see if uh, any of them so <laughs> overlap. So your ten, none of them have been done yet? No. No, to be, to be honest, I only just made this list. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the next story we shall be reading is... The story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear is. Number four. Yeah, that almost made my list. I'm oh, very excited. I'm about so that. excited. What, that sounds amazing. What? I mean, where did he go forth? And what well, this fear is it. did he learn it's of? It's interesting. Yeah, that was going to be my point. 
you read that and saw that as one person. When I read that, I think of multiple people like the youth. The youths? As, as in the youth of wow. today. As in not the youth being one person, but the youth being lots of people. Wow. I feel that, I feel that may be quite a dark tale. So looking forward to that one. The next one. I'm, I, there is part of me that really hopes that some of these are on your list. Okay. It seems we might have diverging tastes, I don't know. The next story we'll be reading is Godfather Death number 44. Is this like Battleships? Have I got hit? It's like Battleships. No. Oh, still. I'll tell you though, what is on my list is The Godfather. Oh, is there one called The Godfather? <laughs> I didn't even see that. I like that you're drawn to the dark ones so oh, yeah. far. Big time. So then the third story we shall be reading is The Knapsack, The Hat and The Horn, 54. The Knapsack, The Hat and The Horn. What are they going to get up to? <laughs> oh, fun games. So we've got the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. Godfather death. And we've got The Knapsack, The Hat and The Horn. Fantastic. Looking forward to those. Can't wait. Now, we, we've both discussed how at some point in the future we'd like um, to get a little more audience participation. Agreed. And there might be some of these stories that you particularly want to hear. And rather than waiting until they randomly come up, we thought it'd be great for you to have a bit of a say on what we next read to you. Yeah, we haven't quite worked out how to make that work yet. But if, there, if you're listening and there's any story you're interested in, mm-hmm. uh, just let us know. And in the future, I'm sure we're going to come up with a, a half-decent system. Yeah. I mean, if there's particularly now a story uh, you want to hear on this podcast, you can email us at a normal email address, grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Twitter, because it might be that one day we put out a Twitter poll with maybe a short list of episodes, and you get to pick from them. So there's a range of ways of doing this. And if you want to know the full list of episodes, that's available on the Podbean site. Brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to learning about the youth and the fear that they went forth to learn. Oh, it's been a, it's been delightful. It's been a blast. And uh, as ever, the fire has been lovely and warm and uh, intoxicating. Intoxicating. That yeah, might be a bit strong. <laughs> well, it might be because I put something on the fire. Good lord! Right, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's be- probably best about open yeah. a window. Saddle my steed. See yeah. you later. <laughs> oh. See you good morrow, good yesterday. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. Fare thee well. Cheerio. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, grimreading. You can find us on podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.